Thank you for joining us here at Celebration Church, where we celebrate God, celebrate people, and celebrate life. We hope you enjoy today's message. Good morning, good morning, good morning. It is lovely to see you this morning. Hopefully, you're okay with the person you're sitting next to this morning, but I have some good news. The message this morning is a little bit different. Everyone say different. Instead of doing one message, I'm giving you three mini messages this morning. While that excites you. Um, Three for the price of one. Today, your tithe gets you three messages. You are lucky this morning. We're going to be taking a 60 second to connect between each of the messages. So you have time to say hello to someone, perhaps move if you feel like you've made a poor decision this morning with who you're sitting next to you and there's someone across the room that you've got your eye on. Um, Speaking to the singles, may today you find the thing that fills that empty, gaping hole in your heart. That when everyone is gone and you sit at home by yourself and you're crippled by your loneliness that today God would answer your prayers. I once gave tips to a a lady named Beth. When Beth was uh, single, I told her that if she ever wanted to find a husband in church, um, all she needed to do was when a single guy was in worship, had their hands lifted, all she needed to do was slip her hand into their hand because if there's a single man in church, he is praying for one thing and one thing only. So if you whisper into his ear, I'm here, the Lord has answered. Um, you will not be alone for too much longer. You're welcome, Joey. Um, That was how you got her. So this morning, we're going to continue our series uh, on the art of. Uh, Let me welcome you to church. My name is Joel. I'm one of our pastors here. On behalf of our senior pastors, Pastor Benara and Charlie, we want to welcome you. I hope you find home here. I hope you find family here. I hope you find more than a service that you can agree with, but you can find a community that you can partner with to build the church. So we're going to do three little messages this morning, all around three verses. But this series is all about equipping our church with some social skills um, to learn the art of being the body of Christ. Pastor Benaiah opened up week one with the art of hospitality. I encourage you to go back and listen to that message. He gave you 10 important tips on practical hospitality. Last week, I shared around the art of the start, and you might have seen some forms on your uh, seats. You'll uh, find out about them at the end of today's service. And this morning, I want to bring us around Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews, written by Priscilla, we're going to look in verse 23-ish, and it says, let us, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, because he who promised is faithful. Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the, everyone say, habit of doing. Let us encourage one another, and all the more as we see the day, capital D, approaching. This morning we're going to be looking at these few verses, and my prayer as we come around message number one this morning is that we would understand the art of gathering, that we would not forsake meeting together as some are in the habit. This word habit means custom. It means that some people have the custom of not gathering together. And we're encouraged here by Priscilla 
to not be the type of person that have habits that take away from the assembly, not have habits that take away from the body of Christ, not have habits that take away from unity. So my prayer this morning is that you would be encouraged, empowered, challenged to be a gatherer of people. We're going to pray this morning. I'm going to tell you a story and we'll get into this thing. And soon China will be allowed to stop playing. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're here. We ask Holy Spirit this morning, if there's anything inside of us that is a habit, an addiction, a custom that separates us from your heart, from your mission, from your will in our lives, that we would aggressively, unapologetically put to death those things that we would murder anything inside of us that makes you less, that our lives privately and publicly would amplify you, King Jesus, that we would truly cry from the inside out, less of us and more of you. So this morning I ask you would empower us with the art of gathering. You would help us to see our calling and our mandate in your church. In Jesus' name, everybody said... Amen. Thank you, China. You may be seated. I will see you approximately in seven and a half minutes. Thomas Edison is a famous inventor. He made the commercial light bulb represent. Who loves the light bulb? Get it tatted up on here. Leviticus represent. Don't cut the sides of your beard. Do not mix two materials together. Do not mark your body in mourning for the dead. I know Leviticus as well. This encourage this thing. Thank you, Alex. You got little treats over there. Alex is a mum. She brings snacks to church, not for her kids, for her, just to snack through, just to get through. Thomas Edison uh, is famous for a whole bunch of different inventions, the carbon microphone. Uh, he was a contributor in what we now know as film, the commercial light bulb. He invented lots of things. He had over a thousand, well, actually, a thousand and ninety-three different patents of things that he, um, some believe, stole. The thing about Thomas Edison that is astounding is not just the things that he invented, including the invention that we use as a universal symbol for all inventions, the light bulb, a light bulb moment. He is amazing because of his ability to gather both team and talent. Thomas Edison um, recruited people freshly out of college. He put them through a grueling process, a, a interview process that questioned everything, like it was a pop quiz. He, he just wanted people to kind of feel uncomfortable in this interview process. This is not like joining the host team where you say, can I please be on the host team? And Ben's like, okay, as long as you go through initiation, then he hits you once with a bat and then you're in. Uh, this was a complicated, you don't, that doesn't happen in the host team. That happens in the youth team. Yeah. Um, it doesn't. We blood you in. Um, it's a gang term. Thomas Edison gathered these guys out of college and he created these teams, these think tanks, where they would create and solve complex problems. His inventions were pretty good, but the, the excellence, the genius, the art of who Thomas Edison was, was his ability to gather these young guys to solve complex problems and then he would patent them and claim them for his glorious self. 
This morning, I want to encourage you that the church is called to be the type of people that gather well. That what we do singly is never more important than what we can gather other people and empower other people to do. And the why of why gathering is important, it's going to appear on our screen. Speaking of Jesus, it says this next slide, hit me up, Marky. One, two, three, there we go. Jesus' followers should put to death habits that normalize isolation in the body of Christ. If you want to be in the body of Christ, I want to encourage you like Priscilla does here, to not forsake meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. To have customs and habits that build up the body, not customs and habits that tear down the body. Last week, we looked at some social skills, and I taught you how to have a conversation with people. If you missed that, go check it out, because some people still start with insults rather than compliments. Some people start with what we disagree on with rather than what we agree on. Um, and it's important for us to understand, if we are going to be a good gatherer, we need to make sure that we have habits on the inside of us I would dare say addictions to building the body of Christ while we are still here on earth and unapologetically not normalizing anything that isolates us from the rest of the body that Jesus Christ died for. So the why is simply that important. If, if gathering matters, well, gathering matters because we need to make sure we're a part of the body, not isolated, disjointed parts or even decapitated from Jesus the head. We need to be a moving body gathering together for a very specific person. I want to give you the how of how to do this. It's very, very simple if you want to be a good gatherer, and it's this, stand in the gap. As a Jesus follower, don't just believe that Jesus stood in the gap to restore you to the Father. Believe that you could be, perhaps like John the Baptist, making a way for King Jesus to invade people's worlds. That you would not come to church thinking that it is your responsibility simply to gather, but to be the type of person that helps others not have habits to not gather to be the family that gathers other families before church and sits and prays and talks about the struggle and the battle. To have, If you're a family here, get another family and parents discuss how you're raising your kids, how much pressure to put on them in swimming, whether they should do swimming or not, because they're probably not going to be Ian Thorpe, um, or, or, or how we should um, empower or encourage or, or how you help a young person not to vape, or, or sit down as parents and discuss these things. Gather together, but take the responsibility not just to gather for yourself and get yourself through the door, but to empower the body of Christ to not have habits that will rip her off. Because we are better together in Jesus' name. Stand in the gap for someone else. Don't move out of that gap. Stand in that gap. I want to give you some tips and tricks that I have learned when it comes to gathering. These are practical things. You can get out your notepad, your quill and pen, your Samsung Galaxy Note or whatever phone you have. Let me give you a few practical tips on how to gather. If you want to gather well for a gathering, don't communicate only before an event. Young adults, don't be like, oh, young adults coming up. Mm. Who's young adults? I know. I message them. They can see through your plan. Don't just talk to people about Sunday church on Saturday night or Sunday morning. If you want to be a good gatherer, learn how to do life with people rather than be led by the dangling carrot of the next event. So don't communicate only at events. 
If you want to be a good gatherer, this is a thing that you probably never thought about. Know your success rate. How many people do you need to invite to church to get one to come? Mine is one in 11. I know that if I want 10 people to come to a young adults gathering, I need to do that mass there, 111 people. I need to invite people, gather people, encourage people. If you are different to me and every person that you invite comes to church, I want to tell you something. You're not inviting enough people. Go out to the byways and the highways and compel them to come in. A lot of people don't invite because they're afraid that they won't come. I'm telling you, most of the people you invite will not come. That doesn't mean you don't invite. But if you know your success rate, you can be like, okay, I want to get five people in my row at church. I know, no, I'm not going to guess the number. How many people are in this room right now because I've personally gathered you here? But do you, do you have a number in your head that's like, okay, if I want to grow my connect group, I know how many people I need to invite. I see a connect group of 12 families and they're strong and they're empowering each other and they know their word and they encounter Jesus and they take them to their workplaces. But how do you get 12? It is not through discipling 12. It is talking to multitudes like Jesus did to get the 12. Have a prayer list. Have a list of people in your phone. I've had this since the age of 16 of the people that I disciple or oversee. And each day I take a moment to prayerfully consider those people. To consider their hopes and their dreams, what's going on in their life personally. And when prompted, I'll give them a prophecy or an encouragement. But a lot of people are never gatherers because you are never praying for anyone. I can see your heart for people. I can see how much you pray. I can see it. It's written all over your face. Not hypothetical prayers of praying for someone distant you'll never meet. No, pray for the person you sit next to at work. Pray for the person that you constantly see picking up their coffee at the same time as you at Ernest Arthur. Represent, shout out to the shoals. But have a prayer list. Be a gatherer, not simply an inviter. Bring people along. Don't just be like, hey, Matt, do you want to come to this? But no, Matt, I see this over your life. This is why this thing matters. I want to gather you into this thing. Don't be overly concerned about rejection. The church should not be crippled by the fear of what the world thinks. The church should be crippled by the fear of what our Father thinks. We should work out our salvation with fear and trembling, we should allow the things inside of us that offend God to be murdered, put to death, crippled and put to the side because the thing that matters is bringing Jesus to earth. Can I get an amen up in church? Place faith into the gathering. What do you believe was going to happen this morning? Because you will gather based off your level of faith. Connect leaders, when you meet with your connect group fortnightly, why do you do it? It's so evident that you have a heart and a, a plan and a purpose aligned with God's blueprint for your connect group. So to not meet together feels confusing and contradictory to who God has called you to be. And if we can be the type of people that place faith into the gathering, what were the miracles that you were believing for today? Dads, for your kids. Mums, for your families, single person, for you and your friends that you invited. What is the miracle that you're believing for? Is there faith in the gathering? If there is no faith, you probably won't gather with any kind of urgency. If you want to be a good gatherer, learn and love. 
Learn the person that you're inviting. We were having a young adults conversation on Wednesday night at my house, and one of our people was sharing about this specific person in their world of how to invite them and gather them, the amount of frequency when you should not message. And there was a, it was a life lesson in don't invite this person every single day because they will block your number. So you need to learn those people because there's some people in your world that you need to invite so continually and aggressively because they need to be reminded that church isn't the same without them. That that seat next to you is their seat and you'll invite them because there's faith in the gathering but because you love them. Have an agenda. Make it known. I want you here because I see this over your life. I want to take a moment to pray with you. I know what God is doing right now in your life, and it seems he's distant, but we're going to stand together, me and the rest of the body, and we're going to prophesy truth over you. It seems like you're getting further away from your healing. I want you in the meeting. I want you in the gathering when the Holy Spirit moves. My agenda is clear. It's right out in the forefront. And the last thing, if you want to be a good gatherer, murder selfishness. The gathering is for you, China, if you could jump up as we conclude. If the gathering is simply for you, you are missing what Priscilla is encouraging us to do, to not forsake the meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. We are called and graced by God to be a gathering machine for heaven on earth. Let me give you a challenge as we finish this morning. Don't have an empty seat next to you in heaven. Because some of the empty seats next to you are prophecies of your eternal impact. And you need to be aggressive. And not just, oh my gosh, I hope I get through the pearly gates. I hope my name's written in that book. I hope I get into the cloud place and I get my harp. I'm, I hope I get this. Please, Jesus, forgive me. I cut that person off this week. Oh my gosh. No, but I'm in that workplace, not because I'm good at that job, but because I'm called to those people. I'm in that high school, not because it was the closest one to my family's house, but because God has called me and anointed me to reach people that are far from him. He has given me the ministry of reconciliation to restore people to Jesus' church. Take ownership of who you are supposed to gather to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Not because a leader told you to or a pastor encouraged you to, but because God has. Encourage, invite, love, connect, move yourself out of the center point. Because Jesus has people you feel to reach. Will you see them how he sees them? Will you care about them how he cares about them? Let me pray for us this morning. Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it has the power to transform us. I ask Jesus you would help us to be gatherers of people, open our eyes to those that the world doesn't see, but you have your eyes and your gaze upon. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Thank you for joining us here at Celebration Church where we celebrate God, celebrate people, and celebrate life. 
We hope you enjoy today's message. Hello, I'd like to welcome you if you're new. My name is Joel. I'm one of our pastors here on behalf of Pastor Briar and Charlie, our senior pastors. I'd like to welcome you into our house. I hope you find more than a service you enjoy today. I pray that you would find a community you can partner with, that you can build kingdom on earth with. Hopefully our new people's team saw you when you came through the doors and gave you a pack. If they didn't, please head to our hello desk after the service. We'd love to give you a free coffee and connect with you after the service. Just head right. We'll hook you up. It'll be fantastic. This morning, church, I want to continue our series around the art of. Pastor Benaiah gave us part one on hospitality. I encourage you to go back and listen to that message. Part two, I shared around the art of start. You'll see forms on your seats. Don't worry, we'll get there in a moment. And then the last thing I shared with us was the art of gathering. I don't know if you remember that message, but you can. it's available on podcast after the service. This morning, I want to bring us around Hebrews 10. If you've got your Bible, please turn with me. It says this, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, because he who promised is... And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as we see the day, capital D, approaching. This morning, I want to encourage us around the importance, the value. Hit me up with my next slide, Marky. The art of empowering people. This scripture is not just a scripture about the importance of gathering. It is a instruction what to do when we gather. Do not forsake meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another Spurring one another on towards love and good deeds. There is something about the church meeting together that is more than some people in a four-walled room. The church is supposed to be the type of people that come ready to equip and to love each other and to spur them on to do good, glorious, heavenly things. This morning I want to maybe push you beyond last time I shared that you would just gather, but my prayer is that you would understand that you could be a part of empowering the body of Christ. You could be a person that lives beyond just getting yourself through the door, but you could be a person that leaves a little bit of your anointing and your calling in the heart of someone else that helps us reach people far from Jesus, that we truly are better together. Let me pray for us this morning. Maybe no one's prayed for you this week. Allow me to be the first. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're here. I ask, God, you'd help us to understand the power that we have to bring heaven to earth, to build your church, or to participate in the tearing of her down. You would help us understand that our calling and anointing and our privilege is to build your kingdom here while we still draw breath where our heart still beats that we have been anointed and placed and called here to build something of significance that glorifies the King of Kings, that our good deeds, that our light shining would glorify you in our midst. So we ask that you'd help us this morning. Pray that we would be empowered to be more empowering. In Jesus' name, everybody said, 
Amen. Karen, I mean, China, you may be seated. Thank you, China. You'll be back in approximately seven and a half minutes. On the screen is going to appear a face. His name is Ricardo. Ricardo is a CEO, the CEO of a company called, after his name, Semco. It's a Brazilian company. He took it from the value of $4 million to $240 million. He has a TED Talk. It's very good. I encourage you to go watch it. Just look up his name and you'll find it. Uh, shout out to TED. I'm available um, when you need me. Um, Ricardo has a company that has some quite unique ideas. One of his ideas is called Terminal Days. And what he thought was, he went in for some medical tests and they came out good. He was absolutely fine. But he thought, if I was sick, I wouldn't be able to do the very things that I want to do. So instead of taking retirement at the end of my life, I'm going to take it every week or every month. And what he did is he called these things Terminal Days. And once a month or a couple of days a week, he would go to the movies on a Monday, because in his view, that people have learned how to work on a Sunday afternoon, but haven't learned how to take Monday afternoon off. And he has these ideas about his company that are geared towards wisdom, what is wise, not what is normal. But one of the things that Ricardo uh, has pioneered is a school system. It's called Lumia Schools. There's about 10 of them across the world right now, and these schools are built on the foundation that teachers are an outdated job. Okay, sorry if you're a teacher. Shout out to homeschoolers. And he builds these schools around a concept of tutors and masters, that there is an adult in the classroom, but their job is to understand the students and to bring masters in, primarily people that are retired, that have wisdom and knowledge that is no longer being used in the community, but is very, very valuable. And what they would do is they would bring in these passionate people to talk around topics. They have, instead of maths or English, it's worded of like, how do we measure ourselves or what is successful, or they even have classes classes designed around the very things that we don't know anything about, of love or death or why we're here. And instead of getting the students to, in his words, sit down and shut up, instead realizing that if a student is passionate about a topic, hungry to learn about it, and you partner with them an adult that is a master of it and passionate about it, that the learning is so much greater than sit down and learn about ancient Hebrew, this is what's happening here, and that there is such a value in partnering hunger with wisdom. Ricardo's whole thing and the word that comes to mind when you think about this type of school system is empowering. It is, I want to actually equip students, not with what I think they need, but what they actually need. It is a little bit less heavy on algebra, on those that don't need it at university, and a little bit more intense on my job is to help you discover the greatness on the inside of you so that you can go and play a role in our community that only you can play. Ricardo's whole business and school system is built around wisdom and empowerment. I want to give you the why of why being someone that has learned the art of empowering is important. And the why is this, speaking of Jesus himself, that Jesus multiplied his impact by empowering others. Have you ever considered that Jesus actually needed his disciples? 
that Jesus equipping them, groups of two, either 70 or 72, and sending them out with authority to cast out demons and to heal the sick, was about Jesus multiplying his earthly impact. That Jesus was not able in his 100% human, 100% God form to be everywhere at once. So he learned the art of empowering others to multiply what God had given him to bring to the earth, which was the ministry of reconciliation. So he anointed them to cast out demons and heal the sick because he was multiplying through empowerment. If Jesus needed disciples to fulfill his calling here on earth, I dare say you do too. If Jesus, the one that breathed the galaxies into existence, needed a 19, 14, 16, they range between the ages of 12 and 21, fisherman, tax collector, twin brothers, if he needed them, you'd need some people too. And if you can learn the art of empowering people that are perhaps different to you, that you can be used by God to impart heaven into, you maybe multiply what God has asked you to do rather than come back, hide your gift under the surface and return it to him one day. That you'll be faithful what is placed in your hand. So the why of why this matters is empowering others is a Jesus thing. And the how of how we do this is very simple. Sowing into others today so tomorrow's harvest feeds more. The reason why we want to empower people is so that through my empowerment of you seeking Jesus, learning how to maybe gather or empower, or maybe there'll be another part of this message soon, you learning and being empowered to do those things could result in someone that is hungry being fed someone that is sick being healed, someone in darkness finding light, someone that is broken being restored and placed together again. Church, please, church, understand that there is an art to empowering, but a lot of it, 1111, is just about you stepping out, starting something so that tomorrow someone that needs Jesus gets Jesus because you didn't sit down or stay silent. You stood up and used what God had given you to release the disciples to do the work of the ministry. I want to give you some tips and tricks this morning, practical things that are going to help you maybe master a little bit the art of empowering. The first and easiest way is to follow these five steps. These are Andy Stanley's five steps. They're worded in a better way than Andy Stanley words them. But if you want to do five things, you just need to, if you want to empower someone to do something you are currently doing, this is how you do it. Number one, you do the task. So often we are trying to empower someone in areas that we haven't given our our best to and, and pressed into as Paul encourages Timothy to throw ourselves into the work so that everyone may see our progress. It's a thing called premature delegation where you get given a responsibility and you think of the five things that you like the least so you tell someone else to do them but you don't know how to do them. So we're trying to empower people in areas that we don't know what to do. So the first step, if you want to release one of those disciples to go out and do miracles, is you do it yourself. The second is you do it with them. Come alongside, watch how we do this. Learn the unforth rhythms of grace. Follow me as I follow Jesus. I quoted Jesus and Paul there, but it's coming alongside of. Then... You take a step back, not too far. They do it with you right next to them. Okay, this is why we did it. I told you the why. I told you the how. This is what matters. Okay, okay, step out. There's a safety net here. You're not going to fail. You're not going to fall too far. It's okay. Then 
They do the task solo. We all try and jump to this step. You do it for a day and you're like, okay, now it's your turn. And they fall and they fail because there's been no empowerment. Jesus didn't come to give us tasks. He gave to bring family, love, restoration. So it's about the body moving together. It's never the task. It's always the family. They do the task. And then if you do it well, this will always happen. If you take the first four steps, the fifth step happens in such an organic way because they don't forget what was done for them. One of the tragic things is we skip these steps and people never do five. They always just default back to one. They think, I've got to do this task. I've got to do this task. I can't ask anyone because it's a burden. I can't possibly do this. It's not empowering. God doesn't want the job done. He wants the family moving together. He wants his body united. He wants them equipped and mature, not lacking anything. These five steps will help you to empower anyone in your workplace, in the church, someone taking their first steps with Jesus, your children, learn how to do these things well. Let me give you a few more tips. Make things simple. Don't make simple things complicated so you get your value. I'm the only person that can do this. I'm amazing. No, make complex things simple if you want to empower people. Transfer the why, not just the what and the how. The why is more important than the what and the how. So when you're teaching your children a value system, don't say the infamous thing that your parents said it to you and it sent shivers down your spine. Do it because I told you to. Welcome to the most unempowering way to empower someone. No, why? Why does it matter? I love Gem and Ellie both went through a stage of the whys. Why? Why that? Why that? And you get to the point where you're like, oh my gosh. I don't know why. Why don't we have disposable plates and never wash anything up? That is an amazing idea. You are a pioneer of your generation, Jeremiah. We will throw out all of our cutlery and we will use disposables from now on. And God will protect the world from all of the damage that we do to it because we pray to him and it doesn't matter what we do. Pray until you see people with God's heart. If you want to empower someone, pray over them. Sit with God until you value them, not to get the task done, but to, for them to be faithful with what God's called them to do. Impart the Holy Spirit. Don't just impart information. If you want to see someone empowered, the Holy Spirit's got to be on their case. He's got to be the convictor when they walk away from him. You've got to bring him into the conversation if you want to empower. And the last thing is encourage every step. Code, uh, a celebration code is on the back wall. There's 12 codes. Number 12 is we will celebrate. It is we will celebrate big steps and small steps. When you empower someone, don't celebrate when they do step number five. Celebrate when they rock up on time because you taught them the why of valuing other people's time. You taught them the why of the worship teams here before you, the best the, the worst you can do is be here 10 minutes before the service, positioning your heart to worship God. Like that's the lowest common denominator, not wandering in when it feels convenient. But do you communicate wise to people? China, can you jump up as we finish the message this morning? I want to encourage you with one final thought of something not to do. Hit me up, Marky Mark. Discipleship is your greatest earthly calling. Please don't fail at it. You're not all great at it. What? How do we know? Show me your disciples. Show me the people in your workplace that you're fighting for and praying for and empowering and gathering. We're not all excellent at everything, but we can all be better if we position ourselves with a smidge of humility before God and being like, God, could you help me? 
to have your heart for people, to empower them the way that you empower me, to show patience like you show patience to me, that I wouldn't give up on people because you've never given up on me. God, if there's anything in me that is a slave trying to work and impress you, missing the fact that I'm a son, and a son doesn't mean I sit back. A son means I partner with the family. I teach identity to the family of why we are bringing that family's culture into every crevice and corner of our city, that I partner, that I don't do less, that I do more from a place of authority. As you close your eyes as I pray, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would reposition our hearts to not simply be empowered by you, but to do something with the anointing and the grace you have placed on our lives, that we would be so encouraging and so empowering and that we would fan each other into flame, that we would spur one another on towards love and good deeds, that we'd be more than a gathering for the sake of a gathering, playing some role in a Sim City game of our community, staying in our little box, doing our little thing on our timesheet, that we would be more than that, that we would bring heaven's reality into every person that we lead. God, open our eyes to see others how you see them. Open our eyes to the importance of what you've called us to impart. Give us the courage to empower, the patience to empower, to take a risk on another person. God, I just pray that we would duplicate what you've done to us, that the king of the universe has given us a responsibility. Oh my gosh, it is the honor of our lives to walk with you and to stand in the gap for others. Help us to impart that to other people, that we would not live for ourselves, but we would decrease ourselves so that you would be here. Help us this morning. May this scripture come alive. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Thank you for joining us here at Celebration Church, where we celebrate God, celebrate people, and celebrate life. We hope you enjoy today's message. Good morning. Welcome to church. Who here loves Jesus? Who loves the person you're sitting next to? So weird, you all, last time I shared, you guys were in very similar seats. It's amazing. Got comfortable. My name's Joel. I'm one of our pastors here. We're going to come around the Word of God in a moment. I'm going to continue our series around the art of. Last time I shared, I shared around the art of empowering people. We're taking a step up this morning. We're going to look at a scripture. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's in Hebrews 10. Look at three verses. They're going to appear on the screen. The first line has 12 words. Second line, 12 words. Third line, 12 words. Fourth line, 12 words. Last line, 10 words. Come on, there's 58 words on the screen, not including the passage at the top. So let's read this together. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess because he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how he may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as we see the day approaching. This morning I want to encourage us um, not just to gather, not just to empower, but there is an art about how you approach the gathering. There is an art how you approach each other when it comes to acknowledging what each other brings to the table. 
This morning, I want to share around the art of learning. The church would have an appetite to grow and to learn, that we would not be outlearned by my six-year-old son that is learning something new every day. Because church, you have the capacity to learn more than my six-year-old son. The question is, are you still being transformed, renewed, being more like Jesus? Scripture by Priscilla paints us a picture of what the church looks like. And yes, it gathers. Yes, it empowers. But if we could go back for a second, Mark, and show me that Scripture again. This Scripture of encouraging one another... And all the more as we see the day, capital D, approaching, this day that Jesus comes and makes everything right, that we would encourage one another more and more. I want to help us this morning to maybe position ourselves for some encouragement, to position ourselves to have someone else help us to do good deeds, to not think that we know everything or have worked everything out, but instead we would come hungry to learn, to be transformed and to be a little bit less like your parents and a little bit more like Jesus. A little bit less like your workplace and a little bit more like our Father. A little bit less like our community or the latest topic to be outraged about and a little bit more like the Holy Spirit and what He cares about, that we would have a position and a posture to learn. May we not be outlearnt by the world. May they not grow and adapt better than the church, because the church has big shoes to fill of bringing heaven to earth. May we be willing to get down on the floor and say, God, I don't know everything. Could you please teach me and show me, because I'm not there quite yet. We pray for us. Holy Spirit, you are here and you are greater than us. You are greater than us. You are greater than our ideas, our opinions, our view of you. You are much, 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 much better than all of us combined times infinity. You are amazing. So we position ourselves as a humble son or daughter before you, asking for you to impart your wisdom into our lives. We will not grow weary in doing good. We will come before you, positioning ourselves to encounter you. I ask, Holy Spirit, that we would not simply gather and empower, but there would be something about us that when we meet together, we draw out the atmosphere of heaven from every single person, from the youngest to the oldest, from the most mature to the most immature, from the person that we relate to or the person we've got nothing in common with by you. I pray you would position us to draw out Jesus in our midst. In Jesus' name, everybody said... Amen. Thank you, Claudia. I'm in China. You may be seated. We're going to look at a person. I know he's going to be controversial, but you're all just going to have to maybe not drink the Kool-Aid of conspiracy. The man that founded Microsoft's name is Bill Gates. Bill Gates um, is many things to me. I've read a book by him recently, or last year. I read lots of books because I'm very smart. Um, I never read a book in school, not one. I lied about it. To Kill a Mockingbird, amazing book. Review, yes, I can do a book review on that. I Googled it. I didn't really. I Yahooed it. Google didn't. I asked Jeeves. I did a whole bunch of different things. 
Bill Gates um, had an obsession with software, with coding in his teenage years, to the degree where his school asked him to create a program, a software program that scheduled everyone in their classes. And conveniently, this program that uh, Bill created, in his words, put him in the class of all of the, quote, most interesting girls Teenage boy making some software so he gets with all the hotties. I like it. Come on, Billy. You get it, boy. He did weird things through his teenage years. He was not a normal teenager. He read the world encyclopedia. Shout out to those people that bought encyclopedias because someone knocked on your door once. Shout out to all the over 40s. Give me a wave if you still rep the encyclopedia. Okay, cool. Thanks, Alan. Love it. Awesome. Um, a joke was for you, Alan. Customized jokes this morning. I love it. But one of the things that Bill Gates did, not just creating one of the most successful tech companies in the world, not just creating for himself to be one of the richest people in the world, one of the interesting things about Bill Gates is that the inheritance for his children is capped at $10 million. And $10 million seems like a lot to you unless you're dealing with billions of dollars. And he believes that it is a disservice for me to divide up my income and give it to my children because what's the point in making an 18-year-old a billionaire? It's not going to be the best. So he, he limits their actual inheritance. Who wants $10 million from mum and dad? Come on, guys, aim higher. Aim higher. You want billions, baby. But one of the things that I find fascinating about Bill Gates is this thing called Think Week. And two times every single year, for one week each time, so two weeks over the year, Bill Gates disconnects, he goes to a cabin far away from technology, and all he brings with him is essays to read, books to read, and he spends a week, two times a year, just thinking. Just trying to solve a problem that he was unable to solve in the normal day-to-day, taking a portion and a component of his schedule to stop and to learn, to keep on growing. If anyone has an excuse not to perhaps keep on growing, it is people that create these types of innovations, that they could write it for a little while, like, I made Microsoft, like you just be like, I made Microsoft forever, but he's taking time to learn and to grow. I want to encourage you this morning and give you the why of why I think the art of learning is important, and it's this, that Jesus has more to teach you. I don't know if you know that, But Jesus has more to teach you. That's not devaluing what he's taught you. It's devaluing the view that you think you can compare to him. That he's poured into you for 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years and you've got it. Nah. You need to position yourself to learn because Jesus is not done yet. That air that you just sucked into your lungs, that heartbeat that went a little bit faster because you think, how has he done this this morning with no notes? He is my hero. You're still here and there's something for God to teach you. The how of how to position yourself for learning is a very simple thing, to prioritize oxygen. If I was making a fire, the most infamous fire in our church's history is not the time that I set my office on fire, um, but that was fun. Um, I burnt my whole office once where Pastor James and Annie were on long service leave. I left a candle in there. I was setting the mood while I was doing some accounting work. It's debatable who left it on, but then in the morning I got a call from Pastor Benar at 5 a.m. saying, the church is on 
fire. And Mary was out there trying to hose it with a fire truck, and it was great. The most infamous fire in our church's history was a fire that Benjamin Green constructed. It was down there, and what Ben did is Ben got as many wet things as he possibly could. He compressed them in the most compressed way possible. It was a perfect cube, if I remember. It had these nice MDF wet sides to it. And surprise, surprise, when we attempted to light it, it didn't work. So we poured approximately 40 liters of pet. No, I'm joking. <laughs> relax, relax. Youth is safe. It's 100 liters. Um, back when petrol was cheap. Oh, the cost of living is... Oh, just relax. You're all fine. Just stop spending so much money on Maccas. You'll be okay. You'll get through it. Um, and don't have more than two kids. If you've got more than two kids, don't complain about it. You've made bad decisions, okay? you made bad decisions, and now you've got to live with it. So just give them half portions of rice, and you'll get through it, okay? That if you want to build a fire, it's, you need space, you need to position it so that oxygen can get in because without it, you can, you can put nice paper and then little twigs and some, some soft wood so it burns fast and then hardwood so it burns long. And you can compress them all together and try and light it, but it won't work. You need some space. You need to TP that thing. You need, to, you need to make some room for it. And this morning around the art of learning, I want to encourage you and give you some tips and some tricks on how to apply practically in our lives to be someone that is still learning. These are the practical tips and tricks if you want to keep learning. Learn from Jesus, not a man. Boom. 1 Corinthians 3, we looked at it last week. That was three messages ago for you, but that's fine. I'll remind you. Paul is encouraging that Apollos and Paul are nothing. That the planter, the one that waters, is nothing, but it is God that gives the increase and it's him that matters. If you want to learn... Don't position yourself with people with the same skill set as you or the same values as you. If you want to learn, see Jesus when someone else talks. Hear his wisdom. Learn and grow. That I don't care who you are, I want to hear Jesus and I'm going to hear him. You can butcher this message today, Pastor Joel, but I'm going to hear Jesus. I'm going to have him speak into the darkest parts of me, my doubts. I'm going to have him free me from addictions. I want Jesus. I want to hear him when that worship leader stands up here. It doesn't matter how pitch perfect or lovely they are. What I want is his presence and I will get it and no one will stop me because he wants to move and I want him to move. Church, if you want to learn, maybe just open your eyes and see Jesus a little bit. The second thing is this. Ask, what have you come to teach me? In everything in your life, no matter how difficult or challenging it is, ask this question, what have you come to teach me? You've got a diagnosis that looks bad, what have you come to teach me? You've got a setback in your work or your career, you've got some no's, what's going on here, what has this come to teach me? I mean, the second thing, test your theories. If you want to be a learner, teach what you've actually learnt. Your attention rates are very low as people listening right now. There's a 10% retention rate within 24 hours of the things that I'm communicating to you. There's a 50% retention rate if I can get you to teach it to someone else. You'll remember because why? You don't care about my voice. You love your own. Oh, it's the sweetest thing to you. You love your little words. Why do you think I go home and listen back to my messages? It is amazing. I sit there and think, amen, you tell them. Oh, Assume you're wrong. Assume there's a little bit more truth that you could learn. Assume there's something that could be dropped maybe that could transform the way that you live your life. Assume you are not God. 
Maybe, just maybe, he could speak through anyone in front of you, whether you think that they're brilliant or impressive or you think that they're a child that doesn't know much yet because life hasn't beaten the hope out of them. Their dreams are too great. Don't you worry, life will destroy that. No, no, could I learn? Could I assume I'm wrong? You want to keep learning? Value others. I place value on you when you speak. I want to hear Jesus. So in our interactions, I'm not going to devalue you to feel good. I'm going to value you to honor him and to exalt him in our conversation. If you want to keep learning, read, 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 read. Some of you um, need to learn something and you don't know the person that knows it. You need to read a book. Some of them are dead. Like some of the people that have something to teach you have written a book and they're dead. And they need to teach you something. You need to read and learn. Give yourself margin, church, to read, to ask questions. If you don't know how to lead someone to Jesus, can I encourage you to perhaps read a book about it? Apply some things out of the book. If you don't know how to discover your purpose, read A Purpose Driven Life by Rick Warren. If you want to know how to follow Jesus, there's this book. It's called The Bible. Why don't you give it a read? As long as it's not in the passion. No, I'm kidding. It's cool. You do your thing. Befriend the opposition. Someone that's got a different idea to you, maybe you don't position yourself as their enemy constantly. Maybe try to consider how you would listen if it was your mom or dad or someone that you cared and loved. Position yourself in a, in a posture of love to learn and to grow. If our world can tell us anything, that not everything is a them versus them fight, it's not. Try and see Jesus in the people that have different opinions to you. Why? Three up. Assume you're wrong. Assume you've got something to learn. The last two is deep work. Take time to disconnect. If you're a a young person, a youth, young adult, or you are an adult and you have an addiction to your phone or social media, take a time to turn it off. If the Jewish community can teach us anything, it's how to take a proper Sabbath. Sabbath isn't 16 hours of watching Netflix and texting everyone and having the time of your life. Sabbath was a time to be alone with your thoughts. Not even to try and improve, but just to be, just to exist. Not to work or to hustle, but to trust God, to be with God, to laugh, to spend time. Can you take time to have some deep things in your life? Some of us don't have enough margin to hear from God. And please don't blame your children for it. That is a burden that they should not carry. You're the grown-up. Get some priorities. Hire a babysitter for you to spend time with Jesus if you need to. Don't look at anyone, Joel. If you want to keep learning, be a discipler. Matt, if I could get you to jump up on keys or guitar because I can't see China. Is she even here today? I'm not sure I haven't seen her. Yeah. Be a discipler. One of the greatest ways to learn is actually have the responsibility of teaching someone else. Because pretty soon someone's going to ask you a question that if you haven't gone somewhere with God, you ain't got no answers. But if you position yourself to disciple someone, maybe there's a card on your seat perhaps of how to run a community group. 
that if you could position yourself to have the responsibility for someone else, it would actually cause you to have a posture of learning. Man, they're asking me questions that I don't possibly know the answers to. I need to press in, I need to grow, and I need to learn. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes this morning as we finish the message. It was a short one this morning. It was only 14 minutes. Three sermons ago last Sunday, I shared around the art of the start. We filled out cards, dropped them in a bucket at the back. Let me tell you what encouraged me and what discouraged me. One, what encouraged me. People wrote amazing groups, stepped out of the boat and had had a, a posture of faith. What discouraged me is none of them sucked. And why that discouraged me is is I think sometimes we're trying to get perfection before we start. And the whole message was about stepping outside of the boat, taking the first step before we can see the whole staircase. And I wish that that bucket was overflowing with first step ideas, not amazing ideas. And this morning in my last few messages across the last few minutes... (laughs) is about posturing us to value the gathering, yes. To have this habit and empowering others to have this habit, yes. To come with something to bring and contribute, yes. To empower someone with our talents and gifts and anointing, yes. To position ourselves to learn and to grow and to be better, yes. But it all comes down to this again. Will you allow your bravery to be someone else's breakthrough? There's a card on your seat. It's explaining what community connects are, and they are the the blueprint of what God has given us as a church for this year. It's what he's asked us to do. Community group is one of two things. It is a social gathering around an idea or an activity. Or it is a group of people in your world that God has called you to reach. He's called you to gather. He's called you to empower. He's called you to learn from. It could be your workplace meeting for a coffee before work. With over now 60 groups in our church, ranging from discipleship groups to social groups, there is only one, one person in our church that has put their hand up to own their workplace. And Holy Spirit, that this morning I pray that we would take a step of bravery for those that we are doing life with, that we would not overcomplicate this thing. This morning, even right now, with those cards in our hands, that you would help us to see the people that we want to break through for tomorrow. And as an act of faith and bravery, that we would write their names down and commit to gathering with them, to loving them, to praying with them, to fighting for them. That the messages in this series would not be some nice practical tips, but they would be tools in the hand of artists, willing to commit themselves to mastering them, of hospitality, of starting, of gathering, of empowering, of learning, that we would be masters of these things. But it would start this morning with an act of faith.
Jesus, I just send our church out this week. I pray that you would be with them, that you would be for them. I ask for divine opportunities and, more importantly, divine courage to see them, to step out in them, be with us. I pray healing and blessing and provision over our families, our workplaces, our schools. We ask there will be more of heaven in our midst. In Jesus' name, everybody said Amen. amen. We love you, church. We hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you would like to know more about our church, please go to celebrationchurch.com.au.